0: presence of the Lord is in this place. The presence of the Lord is in this place, which means the presence of the Lord has to be wherever you are watching from tonight. And that is why we are here. We're here for no other reason than to be in the presence of the Lord, to allow room and space in our lives so that we can hear what God has to say to us so that we can offer our lives as living sacrifices tonight on this Friday night at this conference you know when I was growing up church conference meant midnight it maybe even meant lay on a pew because you would be there to the next morning So we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to move like the Holy Spirit wants to move. Are you ready? It's okay. Bishop gave me a time limit, so don't worry. Don't worry. But we do want the Holy Spirit to move, and we do want to make room because miracles happen. Miracles happen when we invite Jesus into the room and tonight God we say welcome welcome we have offered our worship to you to only you we look to you and to only you tonight to speak to us to show us to guide us to lead us to direct us Holy Spirit, we offer our hearts to you so that you can change them tonight, so that you can transform them tonight. Lord God, we know that you have done it before and you can do it again and again and again and again. We surrender to you. Lord God, I pray right now that you would open our eyes so that we can see what you want us to see. Open our ears, Lord God, so that we can hear, Lord God, what we need to hear. There are cries that we need to hear, Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would even touch our noses, God, because there are some foul smells, Lord, that we have gotten too used to smelling. But tonight, we want to smell the fresh fragrance and scent of your presence, Lord. Lord God, I pray that you would touch some of our mouths, God, because we may feel like it's been a while since we've been able to taste and see of your goodness, Lord. We're here to be renewed. We're here to be refreshed. We're here to return to you, God. Be in our midst, Lord.
1: Way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Light in the darkness my God that is who you are you're a way maker, miracle worker promise keeper promise keeper promise keeper promise keeper keeper, yeah, yeah, a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who that is who you are. And even when I don't see it, you're working. And even when I don't feel it, you're working. You'll never stop. You'll never stop working. You'll never I it. I believe it. I receive it.
0: we worship you, we honor you, and we adore you.
1: Miracle.
0: God, I believe that there is healing taking place, Lord. There is healing taking place, God. You know, COVID has changed things, and so we can't come to the altar and have someone lay hands on us anymore, but, but I believe that if you just had in your hearts wherever you are, that God is there. So just reach out and touch him right where you are, right where you are, because he can heal you right where you are. He can restore you right where you are. There can be a miracle that takes place for you tonight.
1: Lord God, move.
0: Hallelujah. We all know that I could worship and worship and worship and worship, but I do have a word from the Lord that I'd like to share with you tonight, and this word um, is is a word that is to prepare us. but we have to have our hearts open and ready. So as I was preparing for this word, I was going for walks with my husband in the neighborhood and I noticed all of these signs around. There were a lot of signs. I also just want to say hi to my family Bishop mentioned my family, but I have two children, Ava. I have three children, Ava, Naomi, and Bella. Um, And to my dear husband who are watching tonight, I love you all dearly. I was going for walks with my husband, and we saw all of these signs in our neighborhood. And you've probably driven around, and you've seen a lot of signs, and you've probably seen some of these signs. And hopefully, there we go. We see all of these signs in the neighborhood, right? And signs that say what we love, Black Lives Matter, and, you know, there are even other signs. And, 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 and then we, there's another set of signs that we see. There are political signs. There are signs for what we believe about God's earth. There are signs for, you know, what we believe that we should be doing. And there are a lot of reasons that we put these signs up. Maybe there's a child who said, we need a Black Lives Matter sign. Or maybe you have put a sign up outside of your home because it seems like it's the popular thing to do. And you just don't want to be left out. You're like, oh, my neighbor put this sign up. I need to put this sign up. But there are so many assumptions that this sign is a reflection of who the people are inside of that home. Some people put up a Patriots flag outside of their home. So you assume, oh, they must love Patriots football. There are so many signs that we see. And and so when we see what the sign says, we make that assumption of that's their life. They're living that life because that sign represents the outside of their home. My question to us tonight is what does your life say? What does your life say? Because we can all have a sign, right? Some may have a Biden sign, some may have a Trump sign, But the requirement, the action, is for you to actually vote. For you to vote. And if it takes you standing there for five hours, are you going to do that? Are you really going to stand there in order to take that action and vote? You may have a Black Lives Matter sign. But what are you doing to make sure that black lives matter? And I'm even talking to the black people. Being black is not enough for you to say black lives matter, requires something. You may have a sign outside of your home that says, I care for the earth, I have creation care. But really? What does your carbon footprint look like? Does it look like an ant? Does it look like Bigfoot? I even dare to ask right now for some of you, oh, brothers, you can go sit down. I would keep singing, but, you know, I'm, I'm already, I'm already, like, close to my time, so I can't sing any more songs. <laughs> but just stay, stay, because I might, I might have some at the end. You know, you know I'm a walking playlist. But my question to you is, how many lights do you have on in your house right now? You're in one room. How many lights are on? You know? So we, we, we have these signs that we may display. But the question, again, is what does your life say? That is what God says has told us. He's given us what our lives should say. He's told us and that is what we are going to talk about. So I made my own little sign because I'm a teacher. Which camera do I go to? I go to you, brother. This is our sign. This is our sign. To do justice, love kindness, Walk humbly with our God. That is our sign. This is the life sign of a Christian. This is found in Micah 6, verse 8. And while other people may have all kinds of signs outside of their homes, if you are a Christian, this one's not optional. You can't just put this one up. Because God loves Justice. Jesus walked this earth, put it there. Jesus walked this earth and showed us what justice looks like. So, if we are Christ followers, this is what our lives will say that we do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with our God. I love this quote by Gandhi. He says, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. See, Jesus cared for the oppressed, lifted the marginalized, and honored those who others shamed. We want to be like our Christ. Christians are called to be the front liners. We are to be on the front lines to live out God's love for justice. Too many of us, though, are plagued by the sins of our overconfidence, our self-sufficiency, and our self-indulgence. Me, me. Me, 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 me. And I just want to stop right here and say, please don't feel like I'm pointing the finger at you. You've probably heard this before, right? If you haven't, if you feel like I'm pointing the finger at you, look at how many fingers are pointing back at me. There are three pointing back at me. We're all in this together. I am sharing with you tonight my journey as I have studied and prepared for what God wants to say to us regarding biblical justice. You should feel a bit convicted. That Gandhi quote should have made you stop and say, oh, am I like my Christ? I stopped and I said, oh, do I care for the oppressed? Do I lift the marginalized? Do I honor those who have been shamed. We want to get this in our hearts. We want to live a just life. And the key thing about understanding biblical justice is that it shouldn't just be an artificial add-on to your social justice. It shouldn't be an artificial add-on to your charity. It's not an artificial add-on to your community service because we're going to see that for biblical justice it requires for you to do justice love kindness and to walk humbly with your God see we don't want this sign to just become a slogan or a hashtag so I'm going to ask you one more time what does your life say? Let's look at Micah 6-8 in the book of Micah, and we're going to read the whole chapter because context is important. We want to know what was said, why was it said, what did it mean, how do we apply this to our lives today? And we're going to look at Micah chapter 6, and we will be reading from the English Standard Version. But I just want to say one quick thing. I thought it was so interesting and super cool, actually, that Micah's name is, who is like the Lord? There are many prophets who told the people when they were going wrong who denounced their ways, their sinful ways, and how they needed to turn back to God. But Micah, Micah's name means who is like the Lord. So let's look at Micah chapter 6 from the English Standard Version. It says, Hear what the Lord says. Arise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear, you mountains, the indictment of the Lord, and you endearing foundations of the earth. For the Lord has an indictment against his people, and he will contend with Israel. O my people, what have I done to you? How have I wearied you? Answer me, for I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery, and I sent you bef- and I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O oh, my people, remember what Balak, king of Moab, devised, and what Balaam the son of Beor answered him, and what happened from Shittim to Gilgal. That you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? So I'm going to stop right there before we get to eight. Because we know what eight says and we like to quote eight. Right? We want that to be our sign. But see, can you imagine God actually taking you to the courtroom because he has a lament. God is lamenting with humanity. We have shared our laments with what is going on in today's society. We cry out. We pray them. But God comes with a lament. And he says to his people, What have I done to you? See, they have become prideful. They have political corruption going on. They have economic exploitation in abundance. They have ethical violations. And they also are taking advantage of the poor. They are misleading people. They are now compromising the word of the Lord. They have turned away from God. And God sends the prophet Micah for Micah to say, hey, God is not pleased. He sees your lives and he is not pleased. They have built other gods and altars. And as God is lamenting to them, he says, what have I done? What have I done other than delivered you? What have I done other than provided for you? But God is a just God, and he gives them the opportunity to return to him. And this is when Micah says, well, first, this is what I found was interesting, which is what some of us do sometimes. God tells us we've done something wrong, and we say, oh, what can I give to you, Lord? Can I just give you, oh, that last hour and a half of worship? Will that be enough? Because sometimes we can make our worship even in the sanctuary an idol. It's not really to God. It's not really from our hearts. And this is what had happened with the Israelites. They're like, oh, Lord, can I appease you? Let me just give you some of these religious rituals. Will they be good enough for you, God? And God is saying, no, I want you to be a living sacrifice. And that is how we get to the requirement of what a religious sacrifice is. In, in 8, he says, he has told you, O oh man, what is good. All of these other things that you want to provide to God, they are not what he requires. The Lord requires of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. So what I want to do for just a moment is to talk about those three things because that is what our lives should say. So I'm going to give us a universal definition of justice. And if you are in the Sunday school, high school class, yes, I read. I brought all of these books. I brought them all. I didn't stop reading for the sermon until my, one of my friends, Tara, called at like 5 and was like, are you still reading? And I was like, it's so good. It's just so I just want to now. I, mean, I just want to read about Isaiah. And I just wanted to keep reading. Never needed to give the word. But I do have one, but I've read all these books. You you all can't see them all, but look, I've just been reading and reading about the prophets. So I got a lot to tell y'all. Get ready. If you've fallen asleep, you lay down on the couch, sit up, because I still have a lot to say. But if you are one of our high school Sunday school um, kids, they studied justice, and they came up with the definition. And I want to honor them tonight. Yes, and I was getting to this book to say, Bishop, I had the book, I I have the book on audio, I have the paper, I've been listening and reading this book, but I want you all to hear their definition of justice. Their definition of justice is removing every obstacle and providing every opportunity for people to flourish and accomplish their God-given purpose. Go high school, Sunday school. Thank you for that definition that I'm keeping in my heart. Removing every obstacle and providing every opportunity for people to flourish and accomplish their God-given purpose. So let's talk about number one, to do justice. We can look at this in several different translations, to be just, act justly, uh, see that justice is done, to do what is right to other people, to do what is to act with justice. But essentially, when we look at their definition of to remove obstacles, the obstacle to remove in order to do justice is to remove greed, And to remove power. When we have greed and power inside of us. It allows us to dominate others. It allows us to want to actually destroy others. It it allows us to keep others oppressed. When we see injustice, as Christians, are we going to pretend that it really isn't happening? Are we going to ignore it? When we see racism, poverty, unjust laws, when we see the hungry, when we know that there are people incarcerated, are we going to ignore it? God has called us to be responsible for others. When we think about doing justice, justice means for us to understand the systems that are causing people to be oppressed. Understanding those systems that's incarcerating others who really don't deserve it. Do we know the number of people who are in jail right now simply because they can't afford bail? Do we know the number of people who are in jail right now for being falsely accused of something? So many. The injustice that we see around voting rights right now, it's happening over and over and over again. In my conversation with you all tonight as the body of Christ, my question is, do you see it? Do you talk about injustice with your friends? What are your conversations about? Again, finger, (laughs) right? Three back at me. See, our worship cannot truly be worship to God because God loves justice. So if all you have is a song or a hymn, but you actually are not doing anything against systemic racism. When you are sitting silent, when a co-worker says a racial slur, when you are sitting silent, when you hear a man says something derogatory towards a woman, men, See, we cannot be silent. We love to sing the song, and I will. If I start singing that song right now, all y'all will wake up and just be ready to go, ready to go, ready to worship. But to do justice means my worship requires action. And what I want to say around this is that I've been on a journey. Some of you may need to go on a journey. And you may need to go on a journey and say, well, what are some of the injustices? It's okay. Start where you are. God meets us where we are. That is what the presence of the Lord means. The presence of the Lord means I'm right here. So if you're right here, start right here. Some of us may feel left out and say, oh, no, I can't go out to the protest because I don't completely understand what's been going on. I, I can't go all the way back to slavery and how it started in America and tell you who came over on what boat and when they came and how many came. So I'm just not qualified. You are qualified and called to do Justice. We are responsible for others. We are responsible for providing for those who are being oppressed in the land. My biggest journey right now around justice has been around the care of the earth. I'm like, there's justice in that? There is there is. If you have all of this bottled water, I remember, here's my first sidebar from Kia. I used to work out at the gym and someone said to me, why do you buy something that's free? I just could not get it. I was like, what are you talking about? I'm like, why do you buy something that's free? I'm like, what are you talking about? I love some Evian water. I know my children are laughing at me right now. I love Evian water that right like that's injustice for God's creation do I really need to keep buying this plastic and I'm buying something that is actually free when we also think about injustice think about food think about the food that you eat right you go to the grocery store how did that banana get all the way over here is it time for bananas or bananas in season around here where are the bananas actually in season? Who's, who's doing the labor to get those bananas? There's so many aspects of justice that we need to make ourselves more aware of. Again, tonight is just to prepare us for where God is calling us as a church. God is saying it is not enough for you just to worship me in the building. I have work for you to do in the world. COVID has now closed the doors of the church. So we can't stay in here. And he's saying there's some work that I have for you to do out there. Where does the awareness of injustices lead to action for others in your life. You may not know all of the injustices. You may not know about refugees, but maybe you can learn a little bit about refugees. You may not know where the halfway houses are in your neighborhood. You may not know where the food banks are in your neighborhood. You may not know where there are homeless shelters in your neighborhood, but there needs to be an awareness in order for you to begin to do justice. It is no longer an excuse, PT, for us to not know where the injustices are. And I love my millennials. I love you all so much. Many, many, many of you are are leading the way. I know in my house, my children are leading the way for me. Why are you drinking that water? Why did you leave all the lights on? You know, just... Oh, are you going to stop shopping at Amazon? Like, I'm just like, okay, children. Um, (laughs) I'm working on it. But we have to start somewhere. To do justice means I see others, and I see how others are being treated unjustly. I see how others are being oppressed. I'm reflecting on my responsibility in that. And your silence impacts more than anything. Not knowing is even more devastating. So all I'm asking tonight is that we start somewhere. Read the book Generous Justice as Bishop suggested. Let's go to the next one, Love Kindness. The same with doing justice requires us to see how others have been oppressed, to see how others have been downtrodden, to see how others are marginalized for us to see the person who is hungry, for us to see the person who is poor, for us to see the person who is homeless, for us to see the refugee who just left their country and came to a new country with absolutely nothing, for us to see the children who are still at the border and their parents cannot be found. There are hundreds of children today who cannot be put back together with their family. There is injustice happening every day. There's too much injustice happening for us as Christians not to find our part in something. It doesn't have to be everything, but we need to have our part in something. Love kindness. Love kindness is when we have decided that I see others, and I want to share the love of God with others. Love kindness means I see you as a creation of God. Love kindness means that everyone should be humanized. But we know in our country, dehumanization is just openly accepted. <laughs> just openly time and time again i i i see children who are not getting an education right now when they actually could as dehumanizing see we want to there's not there's not a hierarchy or a level for dehumanization there's not, oh, that's a, t- that's a level 10 dehumanization. That's a level one dehumanization. If you are not seeing others as God's creation and seeing them as having a right to a life that flourishes, Remember the Sunday school definition? A life. We all have a right to a life that flourishes. The word of the Lord says, I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So wherever there is not abundant life means there is not biblical justice. When I think about the, the true healing of what we need in the church is to remove shame. I I, I still don't have an answer for this, but I've said to so many people who I've been having the conversation with, how many times does God say, go to the poor? And I was like, oh, maybe I won't say it. (laughs) Go to the poor. See, we want to remove the word and say, go to the low income, go to the disadvantaged. But there are people who are poor. And if we do not want to name that and get comfortable in in the uncomfortableness of someone's disadvantage, then we cannot do justice. If we do not want to be uncomfortable going to the jail and ministering to those who are in prison, then we cannot do justice. Brian Stevenson says there is power in proximity. When you roll down your window, when you get off I-90, for all of those who live in the suburbs who come to PT, where we used to drive to PT and you have the guy there and you roll down your window, how far down do you roll it? Do you roll it just far down enough so you can just like kind of like throw the dollar bill out the window just like hope you can get it but i don't i don't want to roll my window down and actually say good morning to you i don't want to roll my window down and actually ask you well how are you today when we see the sign that someone has put up right the cardboard sign what where does your mind go is your mind going to oh i think that's just a scam God, please do not let my cry be a scam. (laughs) If we are doing justice as God does justice, when you call, he responds. He answers. There is a call to us to respond and to answer. Someone said recently, you know, all of the protests, they just keep going and going and going and going. They're not stopping. And someone responded, well, people aren't distracted. They don't have anything else to do. So they have time to keep on protesting. But what it is is life has gotten really simple. My brother, Clint, gave me not that I needed another book. My brother, Clint, gave me this book on social justice where I was reading about St. Basil the Great. Did I pronounce his name right? Someone new? Basil? Come on, Regine. We know you're in the house. Say it loud. Say it loud and proud. Basil. I read about that saint. And what I do want to say about St. Basil is that he says, simplify our lives so that you have something to share with others. Love kindness means that you are sharing with others. Love kindness means that you have compassion. Love kindness means that you see the other person suffering and you are going to share what you have. Bishop says all the time, we all have something to share our time, our talent, our treasure. It does not matter. You have something to share. We all have something to share. Justice requires all of us to share what we have. God has called us to be stewards of what we have, and we are to give that and to give it freely. But as I said earlier, The sin of the people of Israel and the sin for us today is I want what I want. I want what I want when I want it, and I don't really have to think about what it costs anyone else for me to get it. I don't have to think about my consumerism. The other aspect, though, around love kindness is oftentimes There are parts of people suffering that we don't see. And when I talked about removing shame, if we could just openly talk about all things, if we can openly say, I'm depressed. See, we can't see the injustice of mental health. I can look at at a lot of you in here tonight. I don't know where you are mentally right now. But there are people who will be poor in spirit. And if we can remove the shame that's associated for those who are marginalized, if we can remove the shame for someone who is a refugee, if we could remove the shame of the person who has been in prison and now has to figure out, how do I go live in this life? I just got out, but I've been locked up for 25 years. That's an injustice. But if we can remove the shame, then we can help those who are vulnerable. If we can say, I see you with the eyes of God, I see you as a child of God, I see you and I want to share the love of God with you. There are people who are suffering and God is calling us to see them. Our environment is suffering and God is calling us to see it. So my question to you is, and again, we're all in different places, so we can't begin to judge others on what this person's doing this much, and this person's doing that much, this person's active in this, this person's engaged in this. That is not what this means. The question I have for you is what does your life say? We each have something that we can do. So how are you using what God has given you to show love and kindness to others? God has given all of us something that we can use. And finally, we are to walk humbly with our God. See, you can't really do biblical justice if you don't have all three. Justice means do the right thing. Love kindness means to share with others. There are people who are out right now doing the right thing. But they don't know God. They're not walking with God. There are people right now who are giving all that they have, but they don't know God. To do biblical justice means that you walk humbly with your God. If we go all the way back to where we started in Micah 6, when we studied Micah 6 from the very beginning, and what happens when the prophet has to talk to, all of, to anyone, what happened is that people turned away from God. We have to walk humbly with God and say, I'm not in control of this life. So God, where are you calling me? We have to stay in relationship with God so that we can see where God is moving. Some of us are really pretending that we go to God for everything, but we're not depending on God. We're not really walking with God. Because when we're walking with God, we will see his people. When we're walking with God, we let go. We let go of our pride. We let go of our greed. We let go of our control. When we are walking humbly with God. God loves justice and kindness and love and mercy. Therefore, the one who practices this, they draw closer to God. To walk humbly with God means that you are walking step by step by step every day, every day, to become more of who he has called you to be. I don't have a marker, but I wish I had a marker because there's one illustration that I can never let go of. And maybe some of you have heard it, because every time I preach, I talk about it, right? Is the circle, the dot. Do you all know about the dot? If you know about the dot, you can put a thumbs up in the chat. But let's just say I had a marker. There's Oh, there's no marker. But let's just say I put a little dot right here, right? There's a dot. Imagine there's a big black dot here. And see, when you're walking humbly with God if there's this dot right here, when we, when we are going back to the beginning, we I see this sister all the time, so we that's why we are, we're kind of six feet apart. <laughs> we stay six feet apart, but I've seen her. We're being COVID, you know, careful. I feel like do justice in all of these areas, right, when, <laughs> just give me one more minute. I am still within my time, sort of kind of, but I'm almost done. But what I want us to understand is Christians, right, justice does have two parts. Some, of, some people do need justice for doing the wrong thing. You do something wrong and God will call you out for doing the wrong thing. That's why he's lamenting at the beginning, right? But justice also means that you are going to flourish, get what you deserve, be lifted up, not marginalized or oppressed. When I was having these conversations with a lot of people, really this book club that I wake up and talk to every morning at 7.30 a.m., and many of them are, are watching tonight. We talked about how when we were growing up in the church, how justice was judgment, right? All it was was the first part, right or wrong, right or wrong, period. Not the other part of how am I helping you to draw closer to Jesus? How am I helping you? If you are an addict right now, right, how am I helping you if you are homeless? If you do walk in the church right now and don't look like the rest of us, how am I sharing God's love for you? So this is what we want it to look like. This is what God intends for it to look like. No matter where you are on this board, just keep coming. Just keep drawing closer. Just be humble and say, God, can I be in your presence? God, can I pray with you today? God, can I talk with you today? God, I want to listen to some worship music and have you speak to me today. God, I want to meditate on your word. I want to get your word in my heart today, God. God, I want to put you first in my life. But what we like to do is to draw a circle. And that this is Christianity. (laughs) You're outside the circle. Am I outside the circle, Kia, because I haven't, you know, because I drink bottled water? (laughs) Lord, help me. I'm trying. Am I outside of the circle because, uh, you know, I'm choosing to drive instead of, you know, walk? To the Starbucks that's six blocks away from my house. And then for some of the people who should say, Oh, you shouldn't go to Starbucks at all, because maybe I'm not going there. Let's take the Starbucks politics out of your mind at the moment. We're here. But the point is, we like to put judgment. When God is saying, Just come to me, let me transform your hearts. See, he didn't say, love, kindness, you go transform somebody. You go do the work. (laughs) He didn't say, okay, Bishop Green, as you lead your church next year in biblical justice, you need to make sure everyone knows all the rules and regulations. And give them a checklist. Even doing justice can be like a checklist. I've been here, I've been there, and I did this, and I did that. I'm doing the right thing for everybody. But see, you can't do biblical justice without all three because the circle just requires you to keep going closer and closer, step by step. I just want to be closer, step by step. And see, what happens is that you may turn away from God, when, when that child feels like, oh, they're gone over here. They've gone this way. And then you just don't bring the child to God and say, God, help me. The husband or the wife, you know, we're all right now in our homes all the time, every day, all day. There's not a day when you're not together. How sweet and pleasant it is to be in that home. Yes, it is, because I brought this book and this helped me to remember, I like, almost, I love books. This book right here, Love Dare, I'm speaking to some married people right now. This one is the love dare for parents, but let's go back to the love dare for couples. See, there can be some injustices going on within your marriage right now. Because the second part says to love kindness. Are you being kind to your spouse? Your spouse has been locked up in the house with you too. <laughs> right? So, so if, you, if you don't know love dare, do love dare. The first thing of love dare is to say nothing negative for 40 days. Anybody want to join me on the challenge? Put it in the chat. Send an email to mail at ptspice.org. Let's go on that justice challenge. Because that is injustice because what you begin to do is you begin to dehumanize your spouse. You begin to reject your spouse. You begin to withhold the love of God for your spouse. That is an injustice. I've also been reading a lot about parenting. And this, as Bishop talked about black women, I've been reading about fathers. And do we think about all, you know, the love kindness means I'm carrying a weight. I have a weight on me, right? And it's heavy. Do we think about the heaviness that fathers are facing today because society says to a father they can be seen as marginalized as well it's like no not really can well actually if you just feel like you need to keep it going keep it going brother keep keep doing everything I need for you to still go to work every day I need for you to still, like, help every child get on Zoom. And then I need for you to, like, come and take care of me. And then now that you're home all day, you can actually help clean, cook. Like, let's, share, let's just do all of this stuff together. And that's right. That's what my husband does, actually. He does help with all that stuff. He's been cooking and cleaning. You've been doing everything, husband. And I affirm you. Yes, I do. Holding it down. That Domino's order is in your phone. But, this is the point that I want to say. When I talked about removing the shame, what about the men that are around us who are depressed right now? Is is that okay in society? What about the men who actually needs another man to call and and check in on him. So I think it's another series we we got going on here, Bishop. It's another series. Let's affirm the brothers in the house, right? But I'm saying all of this to say that we are to keep going towards God. And in closing, what I want to leave you with is that God is inviting you to walk humbly with him. I love Matthew 28. Come to me, all who are weary. He will give you rest. Will you say yes in a new and deeper way? PT, are we going to say yes in a new and deeper way to biblical justice? Are we going to say yes in a new and deeper way When we look at Matthew 6 8 from the Message Bible, it says this. But he's already made it plain how to live, what to do, what God is looking for in men and women. It's quite simple do what is fair and just to your neighbor. It's quite simple. Be compassionate and loyal in your love. It's quite simple. Don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. God is calling us to open our eyes. He's calling us to see. And seeing takes all of you. He's calling us to seek out injustices. It can be very easy for us to go through life without thinking too much about the needs of others. But he is calling us to seek out injustices. He is calling us to open our eyes and see those who are suffering. To share with those who are suffering. To share with those. To let them know that we care. To give them the love of God. He is calling us to open our eyes and to see where he wants us to go deeper. We need to surrender to God's will, to rely on God. When people look at our lives, what will our lives say? What will our lives say? I want my life to say, no, I don't know how to do it all. But I have I I know a God who says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is not meant for you to feel as though you are a failure. But it is meant to convict our hearts. We can't be a church in the middle of the city of Cambridge that is not reaching out to the lost. That is not reaching out to our neighborhood. And we can't rely on the church to tell us everything that we are to do. If the church isn't doing outreach, then I can't love kindness. That's not true. We can do this in every aspect of our lives. Biblical justice is not an add-on. It's how we live every day. It is how we follow Christ. There is hope because... Our God forgives, our God frees, our God delivers, and our God is right where we are. So wherever you are today, if you are a part of PT, if you're not a part of PT, wherever you are today in your walk with biblical justice, God is going to keep going step by step by step by step with you. He might be inviting you to not just read what's going on in Apple News. But actually pray over it. Pray over all of it. I just read this horrible article. Well, guess what? Pray about it. He is calling us to see others. And for us to give our lives. As God sent his son, Jesus, who sacrificed his life for us. Lord God, I pray that we would surrender to you. Lord God, I pray that we're, wherever we are, that we will just keep going closer to the dot, God. And it doesn't matter our age, Lord. Even for our children, Heavenly Father, I pray that they will see that they are followers of Christ. That their lives, God, should reflect your life. May we reflect your love, your compassion, your mercy, your kindness in all that we do. Let us lift up others, God. Let us share in the suffering of others, God. Let us remove the shame of suffering, Lord God. Let us see that even in the midst of our suffering, we still go to you and we thank you for being a good God. Lord God, I pray that we will continue to have hearts of gratitude and thank you for how you've delivered us. And that we will believe, that we will believe and hold on to our faith and our hope that you are still a God of miracles. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.